0: Well good morning and welcome to Grace Presbyterian, I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we begin a new series looking at an often underemphasized component of the Christian life, which involves the surrender of our bodies in worship and service to our Lord. The truth is that God wants all of us, not just our hearts or our minds, our talents or our service, He wants our very bodies offered in reverence and worship to Him. I invite you to listen today as we introduce this new series I'm entitling Your Body, God's Building. And let's worship together as we see what the Spirit tells us in Paul's letter to the Romans about using our bodies as instruments of righteousness. Thanks for listening. So it was about two weeks ago that I started hearing this terrible grinding sound coming from the back of our minivan. Anyone else know what that is? Anyone else have that? You, you heard ours even, that's right. You could hear it. Oh, there come the flunkers down the road because there's this grinding that's coming. So this past week, I got all my tools and who knows what this is? Yeah, it's a brake rotor. And uh, you, if you uh, have a sharp eye, you might even be able to tell that there's this groove that's cut all along this side, this sharp, shiny groove uh, that was making all the noise. Well, the problem was coming One of these, one of these little brake pads. Yeah, they were in so much trouble, I brought them to church. That's how much trouble (laughs) were in. You'll you'll recognize this nice thick one. This is how it's supposed to work, but the caliper wasn't working quite properly. Instead, what it was doing is it was uh, wearing unevenly on this side. Now, that's the type of problem that if you talk to a mechanic, maybe Bob can even verify this, that starts off very early on when the pad is good and thick. And it tends to slowly get worse, and slowly get worse, and slowly get worse. It doesn't start out like this, flat, where it's grinding on the steel. Instead, it just starts out with just a little bit of unevenness, just a little bit of unbalanced. And eventually, if the problem is not corrected, it can be a major problem for a vehicle. In fact... If your brakes go bad on the vehicle, what's going to happen when you have to make that emergency stop? What's going to happen when the, uh, the ice pulls your tires out from under you? Uh, that even such a tiny little problem, this, this way in which the, the simple uneven wearing uh, can eventually lead to the destruction of the entire vehicle. And it starts out small and it starts out subtle and it starts out many times unnoticed. I find a very apt analogy for how Christians fail to address the unbalanced nature of how we live our lives. Where a little problem starts, maybe it's a a small temptation, maybe it's an appetite for this, a taste for that, a desire for something that really is a little bit out of place, a little bit out of balance. And and it's okay, and you kind of dismiss it, and uh, the pattern continues, and it continues, and it continues, until now it's a major problem. But it didn't start that way. This is not a popular series to preach on in America. It's not. Uh, there, there is this uh, subliminal understanding that we will give to God our hearts and our minds, but you know what? My body's mine. And who are you to say how I and what I want to do? And, and we, we don't like that kind of intrusion into our preferences, into our tastes. And yet the problem is the Bible is very specific and very clear that God did not just save your soul. Instead, he's also purchased your bodies. He has redeemed all of you and will one day resurrect the brokenness of our bodies onto eternity. But you know what? He wants it all. He wants it all now. I was uh, flipping through the channels and came across an ad uh, for a show, I think it was on Fox, called Temptation Island. I mean... Uh, I, I, should, I shouldn't have, but I looked it up online. I do not recommend this. And I had to call my wife, and I said, look at this. And she said, what are you looking at? I said, it's this TV show. I, I said, I, I think, and what they do is they take couples, and they put them on this island wearing next to nothing, and then they see if they can be faithful. They see if they can be faithful with their bodies is, is really the entire premise of the show. And you know what? People tune in to watch this sort of thing. And I could, talk, I could pick TV show after TV show after TV show uh, where this is kind of the thing that baits people in, this, this idea of temptation, this idea of how we use our bodies. I couldn't show a picture of it, so I have to just show you this picture of donuts. And, <clears throat> and uh, I, thought, I told my wife we should watch this show and see what it's about. She said, don't watch it, don't even think about it, is what she told me. So you get donuts instead. Uh, It started years ago in my life, this question of how Christians in America tend to give decent attention to our our, our spiritual growth and and how we think, but our bodies we don't give enough attention to. Uh, The church that I was a part of when I lived in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, had a tradition uh, where this really kind of struck home for me is it, it was on Sunday morning they would have these. I mean, when you went to church, they had these strewn all about, and I mean, tablefuls of them. Not only these, but down in Frisco, Texas, they also have something called pigs in a blanket. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about with pigs in a blanket? So here's what I discovered. I discovered that one of the things that I began to look forward to on a Sunday morning was not worshiping Jesus Christ. It was getting my second helping of pigs in a blanket. And maybe you can understand how that didn't resonate well with the spirit in me. That if what I'm really looking forward to in church is eating a little bit unhealthy, that's probably not something the church should be promoting. And that there is this imbalance. It's slight. Remember, this is not a major issue. It's not a major issue yet, but it starts out small, just like this. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians that preachers don't often preach on. We, we only, in fact, we touched on the first half of this verse last week. Here's what it says. Paul writes this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst? You remember we just finished a four-weeks... Series on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. But look at the next sentence. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred. And you are that temple. It's not a popular message. Um, not in America, at least. I mean, we have our entire entertainment program predicated on the, on the hope that you will give in to temptation. We have an entire food industry that works meticulously. In fact, they have uh, councils of people who work to make the food look tempting. And it's so much easier to just order a pizza. It's so much easier to just follow our appetites and consider it. Oh, it's just a small problem. It's really not going to harm us. Except when God's word teaches this. There are real world consequences to the abuse of the temple of God. And they will lead to our destruction. They absolutely will. That's why I want us to give our attention to this over the next couple of weeks. I'm calling this message this morning, "Instruments of righteousness." And we're just very briefly, about five to 10 more minutes. Uh, we're going to look and in, uh, invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Romans six. Uh, it's, it's three short verses and a, a few things that we can identify. For how we can use our bodies as instruments of righteousness. Romans chapter 6. Starting in verse 11. That's page 1754 in the Pew Bibles if you brought one this morning. Or if you have one in front of you. Alright, here's what Paul writes. Verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. for sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. A fantastic passage. So much more here than we're going to be able to cover, but just a few things I want to draw out to you today. First is this word count. You see it in verse 11? In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. The, the word here in the King James, I kind of prefer. It's the word reckon. If anyone has a King James Bible, it says reckon yourself. And here's what this word means. Whether it says consider or reckon, it means that you identify something as being true. Regardless of it feels that way or not, it's true. And I give it the identity, the description of being true. So whether or not you feel dead to sin, because sometimes sin feels very alive... The truth is, you are dead to sin. Um, it's still a little difficult to understand, but Paul can help us out in another passage. Hold, hold your place in Romans 6 and turn with me to the book of Colossians. So just a few books further in the New Testament. The book of Colossians chapter 3. Because he really develops this idea in a helpful manner in Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> idea of reckoning yourself dead to sin. 1834, page 1834. Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul writes here. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3. For you died. Does your Bible say died? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Church, you died to sin. There was a pastor I heard of that was trying to communicate this to his church. and So he said, uh, we're going to have a funeral next Sunday uh, because the church has died. People kind of looked at him funny and he put the obituary in the newspaper and sure enough, Sunday morning, there was a casket laid out and the whole church kind of thought, well... I wonder what's in the casket. And uh, the preacher uh, gave the eulogy. Uh, The church has died. And uh, he came and he opened up the casket. And he invited the church to come and pay their respects. And as each one made its way down, what they discovered was there inside the casket was a mirror. And the pastor sat back and he just smiled, knowing that they would get the picture, that they would understand that whether or not you feel like it, you have to reckon it. Right? You have to declare it as true because Jesus has died and we are seen in him. That's what Paul helps us to understand here in Colossians. But this is what he's saying in Romans chapter 6. So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Uh, th- there's a word for this process in the life of the believer. It's called the process of sanctification. That's like a $5 word, right? Sanctification. It simply means this, uh, to become holy, to look more like Christ, to look less like me, and to look more like the Son of God. And it's a process that we are all in. Uh, Two conclusions I want you to see from this passage. Number one is this, offer yourself to God. It's as simple as that. Offer yourself to God. And second is offer the parts of your body to him. To be used as instruments of righteousness. I love this word offer. Now we kind of do this every Sunday. What do we call it? The the end of the service. I get the plates. And we receive the the offering. Do you know that God does not want our money? When we give money. We give as worship to him. That's what we do. And we should give. It's a privilege to be able to give. But God wants You. He wants you. Imagine this. Imagine that you were, um, back when you were dating your spouse, All right, Because, you know, marriage is, hey, we're in it for the long haul. But ma- remember back when it was magic, right? This is, I'm digging a hole here, folks. you got to help me out. Uh, it's getting deeper. You, you know, when you, you just wanted to be with that person. Well, imagine that you uh, told your spouse, hey, I'm going to take you out on, on a date. And they they just said, well, let me just let me just give you some money and that would be good enough. Would they be satisfied? Would that be good enough? Or, or what if they said this? Um, you, you go out to the restaurant and just call me on the phone. I'm going to sit here and do what I want to do. I'll, I'll call you, though, or, or we'll, once a week we'll do this. Do you, do you get the point? God, God it, it's an insult to God to think that you can can belong to him by just offering him some money appeasing God or to say "I uh, just once a week you know we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk then he wants you he wants to be with you all of you and in, not in a manner that allows your body to be pledged to somebody else he wants your body as well your mind your soul your strength your will he wants all of you and this is the verb that's used here it says offer Yourselves to God. Offer the parts of your body to God. One more passage before we wrap this up. Uh, go with me to Romans chapter 12. So I want you to see how Paul concludes with this as he really gets into the, the teaching portion of his letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 12, right in verse 1. It's a passage I know that you're familiar with. I know you've heard it before. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy. So if you're tracking with what he's saying already, he's saying when you think of what God has done for you in the giving of his son, when you think of that, here's what you should do. You ready? So I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to what? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He'll go on to relate the way in which that includes your mind and the renewing of your mind. Uh, Turn with me again back to Romans 6, because I want you to see the reason why you and I can do this. Here's the reason why. Uh, You can offer your body, you can offer yourself to God because, number one, you're dead to sin. It's true. It was there in verse 11, right? Counting yourselves dead to sin. But in addition to that, you're also alive to God. That's why you can do it. Thirdly, you're not under the law. This shows up in verse 14. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law. And then the fourth reason why you and I can do this is we are under grace. This is not going to be, this is not going to be easy, church. Uh, it, it's, it's hard. It takes intentionality. Because you and I have grown up in a culture where our bodies are still reserved for ourselves. Other cultures don't think this way. If you travel the world and see other Christian communities, many of them recognize that when they come to Jesus, it includes all that they are, not just the easy parts. So I want to leave you with a challenge this morning. Number one is this. Ask the question, how are you right now using your body as an instrument of righteousness? I love that term, instrument of righteousness. And the purpose of it is to glorify God. A lot of us will use these instruments to glorify ourselves. Uh, that's, that's also pretty common in our culture. We got to ask the question. How, ask yourself, how am I right now using my body, the body that He has given me, the body that He lives in, to glorify not myself, but to glorify Him? How am I doing that? And the second area uh, that I want you to address is to ask, what part of my body do I need to give? Do I need to further sanctify that needs to be? further made holy. I need to give further attention to. I just listed a couple of things here. Your mind. Maybe your eyes. What you're you're watching. Maybe your ears. What you're listening to. Our appetites. What we're we're craving after. Tongues. That's a tough one for a lot of people. Uh, James, uh, the writer in the New Testament, spends an entire chapter saying how this is the predominant problem with believers is our tongues Maybe it's your hands and your feet, and I just left a blank there for you to fill in in case there's something else. It's easy to make a small, uh, a small mistake, and it starts out small. This is how it starts, church. It starts out little by little. Uh, many times unaddressed, unrecognized. Uh, for me, it's beef jerky. Anyone else on that? If I start eating beef jerky, like 30 minutes later, I'm like, I should have never started eating beef jerky because I can't stop. Uh, l- little appetites, little desires, little temptations that you and I need to live beyond our culture's uh, values. Don't let a small mistake that maybe has been building your life for years and years to go unaddressed. In time, it can destroy the whole vehicle. Let us instead give some attention. We- Will you guys pray with me this morning as we ask God's blessing over our next couple of weeks? Heavenly Father, we come to you today thankful for your word and asking God that you will help us. God, for some of us, now's the time. These next 40 days, God, is when you're speaking right to us. We need some maintenance. We, we need some change in our life. God, we just want to confess to you that we, we understand that this is not easy. And so we want to ask for your help right now at the very beginning. We want to ask that you will come to empower us because we're not under the law. We're under grace. That you will be the one to give us strength because we're dead to sin and we are alive to you in Jesus Christ. I pray that you will bless us as we continue to by faith to trust you. For we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Yeah.